available for pre-order, in-person pickup, or shipping within New York State. GrizzlyBagels.com From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, RiverReporter.com And from listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org Hi, this is Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, host of Let's Talk Vets. When it comes to media, we've got so many options, on-demand videos, smartphone apps, digital content providers, and the list goes on. These options put the world at your fingertips, but none of them have the local content you get from Radio Catskill. You can't find Farm and Country or Catskill characters on Amazon. No Spotify algorithm will ever come up with a mix of music you get from local hosts like Kusar Grace or Cassie Carlson. And not even NPR stations have local edition Radio Catskill or Let's Talk Vets. Radio Catskill is committed to serving listeners right here in the Catskills in northeastern PA. We tell local stories that matter, and we do it with the help of listeners like you. If you value local programs you can't find anywhere else, if you value local news and information we bring you, please do your part to keep Radio Catskill local. Give now at WJFFRadio.org. Thank you. It's WJFFRadio.org or call now, 845-482-4141. Make your donation over to the phone. Uh, and we are now just uh, 900 uh, We're just less than $1,000 away from the halfway point. We need your help getting there. Give what you can now, 845-482-4141. I think it's $995. I, I, I forgot to do the math and write it down. Who am I? I'm Jason Dole. I just happen to be here hanging out on a Monday evening. Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. I'm here for the local edition, and I'm glad you're here for it, too. Local news and information that keeps you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Coming up, we'll get the latest news live from Joe Abraham, managing editor of the Sullivan County Democrat. Sullivan County check-in. We'll be checking in with uh, Heather Brown. Talking about climate efforts locally. But first, it is election time, and New York voters aren't just voting on a governor as well as state senator and assembly people around the state. New York voters uh, also have a bond act to vote on. Environmentalists, conservation groups, and union leaders are joining together to promote this $4.2 billion environmental bond act that is on the ballot on November 8th. And we have more on that. The $4.2 billion proposal would provide funds to invest in fighting climate change at a time when the state is experiencing increasingly violent and damaging storms. In the past decade, superstorms Irene and Sandy caused billions of dollars in damages. In 2021, 13 people died during Hurricane Ida, including several who drowned when their basement apartments flooded. Jessica Otney-Mahar with the Nature Conservancy says the Bond Act would provide funds for flood risk reduction and to restore areas flooded during storms. Funds would also preserve open space, improve drinking water quality, and fix sewers and other infrastructure. This is a great opportunity to make sure that we're investing in our communities so that our kids and our grandkids have a healthy place to grow up in. 
Atni Mahar spoke at a media event along the Hudson River, where some of the representatives of the over 300 groups that backed the Bond Act also spoke. Blair Horner, with the New York Public Interest Research Group, says the health of New York's environment is on the ballot. It's a vote on the environment. It's a vote to deal with the climate catastrophe that we're living in now and that will get worse as the years to come. We have to act now, as has been said already. To invest now helps deal with the costs down the road. We urge New Yorkers to flip the ballot and vote yes in Proposal 1. The proposal is located on the back of the ballot. Supporters say the Bond Act would also give the state a better chance to draw down funds from the recently approved Federal Infrastructure and Inflation Reduction Acts. Promotions for the Bond Act are getting a late start. Thursday's event was the first news conference the groups held on the issue. Governor Kathy Hochul and the Democratic legislative leaders support the Bond Act but have not specifically highlighted it. Atni Mahar says the groups wanted to wait until closer to elections when the public is better focused. Early voting begins on Saturday. Four million dollars will be spent on an ad campaign. We have TV ads, radio ads, digital ads, social media ads all running now, and so hopefully、uh, that will cut through all of the other election season clutter that New Yorkers are hearing. Opponents say the Bond Act is too expensive, with inflation rising in an uncertain economy. Assembly Republican Minority Leader Will Barkley, speaking on WAMC's The Capital Connection, says New York is not a high-polluting state, and the actions won't curb carbon emissions coming from elsewhere. New York is only responsible for something like 0.5 percent of all of global CO2 emissions. So, if all this money we're spending, even if we're 100 successful, which is probably unlikely, but even if we're 100、uh, successful. We're not going to have a big impact on global warming. The supporters say it would cost more not to approve the Bond Act. They say the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers estimates that shoring up New York Harbor against expected rising sea levels in the next decades alone could cost $52 billion. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Thank you to Karen DeWitt in New York State Public Radio Exchange for that report. This is a local edition. We are news and information. It keeps you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. We come to you every weekday evening at this time.、Uh, and it's only possible because listeners like you give what they can when they can. And if you have not given yet during this fall fun drive, we would like to hear from you now. Go to wjffradio.org to make your donation. That's wjffradio.org. You can also give us a call at 845-482-4141. Up next on the local edition, the Sullivan County check in. Recently, Deputy Commissioner of Planning for Sullivan County Heather Brown was nominated to be the chair of the New York State Association of Counties Climate Action Committee. Albany based organization educates, trains, provides research on public policy to officials and to the membership on a variety of issues. The seat was once held by Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan, who's now the representative. For New York's 18th district, he's、uh, running for, no, I'm sorry, he's now the representative for New York's 19th district. He's running to represent the new、uh, 18th district.、And、so seats shuffle around is what I'm trying to say. Radio Catskills Patricio Rabio got a chance to speak to Heather Brown about her new role as a chair for the Climate Action Committee. So, 
the Climate Action Committee actually originally began as the Climate Resiliency Committee for NISAC, and it wasn't an official standing committee, but it was formed in response to the state's passage of the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. I think there was a recognition by uh, the State Association of Counties that this legislation was going to have a significant impact on local governments, and we wanted to make sure that we were able to respond to the legislation and advocate uh, on behalf of the 62 counties of New York State with a very strong voice in understanding, you know, a lot of the programs that the state wants to do, a lot of the goals that they have set. Um, they're only going to be able to meet those goals with uh, with buy-in and with um, with assistance from local governments. So we wanted to make sure that we had a very strong seat at the table. So that happened in 2019. And then we officially made this an official standing committee of the State Association of Counties last year, went from being the Climate Resiliency Advisory Committee to the Standing Committee on Climate Action. As the chair for the New York Association of Counties Climate Action Committee, what policies or what items are you currently working on that you can share? Well, there's quite a bit going on right now, of course. Um, the New York State uh, Climate Action Council is in the process of finalizing their scoping plan for the implementation of the CLCPA, uh, the Climate Leadership Community Protection Act. Um, and with that comes a lot of uh, timelines and deadlines and a lot of work for a lot of people across New York State. So we're taking a very broad look at many issues. Um, most recently at our fall conference, we did uh, pass a resolution to support the state uh, passage of um, a revolving loan fund, which would be in response to the recently passed STORM Act, which stands for Safeguarding Tomorrow Through Ongoing Risk Mitigation. Um, this was passed in order to make low interest or zero interest uh, funds available to uh, municipalities, to tribal governments, as well as directly to property owners that would help to um, do projects that will make our infrastructure and buildings and lands more resilient to anticipated damages from uh, the increasing uh, impacts of um, extreme weather events. That was passed by the federal government, but in order for New York State residents and uh, municipalities to access that, the state has to develop its own program and pass that uh, with state legislation. So we are supporting that because that is something that puts uh, financial resources directly into the hands of municipalities and uh, and landowners. So that was an important um, resolution that we just worked on. Um, we have also been looking into extended pr uh, producer responsibility for products such as um, batteries, um, such as solar panels, as well as other uh, emerging technologies to make sure that when these new technologies come to their end of their lives, that they are going to be handled responsibly in either being recycled or disposed of. And that's an ongoing conversation that we're having uh, with the committee right now, as well as with others. Um, it's important that we uh, build some kind of flexibility and to be able to respond quickly to emerging technologies, because as I'm sure people have seen, you know, every year there seems to be, you know, something new uh, on the horizon, something upcoming, and we need to be able to respond to addressing that the uh, the hand the safe handling of those materials as they as they emerge. So those are two of our uh, our bigger um, items that we've been tackling. It's great that you mentioned the recycling program because that's one of the things I hear most when a new project goes online for like say solar panels in the county that these items have a shelf life on paper at least of twenty five years and a lot of the critics are saying oh now we're just creating more waste. And uh, one expert I spoke to recently talked. We talked about the shelf life of, like, say, solar panels, and he gave the example. That's what they have on paper, 
but truly they don't know how long these items could last. They could potentially go past their shelf life. And one of the examples he gave was like the Mars rover when it's supposed to only last a couple of years and now it's still going. So one of the rovers at least. So, uh, you know, it's glad that the, the committee is looking at recycling programs that could deal with all this potential waste that we could have. Yeah, it's very important because if we don't address it now, um, when it comes time to uh, dispose of these, you know, uh, these products, whether it be five years from now, 10 years from now or 30 years from now, you know, someone's going to have to pay to have it disposed of. And we don't want that cost being borne solely by the taxpayers of New York State. We want to make sure that we're building that cost in from the beginning, um, not just because it, it will save us money in the long run, but it will also be more transparent so people will understand that this is the true cost of that product moving forward. You're paying for things up front as opposed to getting the surprise um, at the end of the life of that piece of technology or uh, or uh, material. I understand the committee is also evaluating the proposed Clean Water, Clean Air, Green Jobs Environmental Bond Act of 2022, which appears on the ballot this November. What can you tell us about this latest bond act on the ballot and why should folks pay attention to it? So the Bond Act is a significant uh, financial assistance that we actually had originally planned to support through our standing committee at NISAC, but the uh, NISAC board, the the actual board of directors, found it important enough that they actually pulled it from our resolution uh, agenda and they put it on the main agenda for the entire association of counties. You know, the Bond Act has several areas of investment that these funds would be eligible for, um, including uh, restoration and flood risk reduction, open space land conservation and recreation, water quality improvement, which is a huge one, and resilient infrastructure, as well as various various projects related to climate change mitigation. Um, at $4.2 billion, this is one of the most significant infrastructure investments that we would see come out of New York State in several decades, I believe in about 30 years. So it's very significant. For a long time, we have advocated to the state and said, you know, you're making all these goals. And certainly in Sullivan County, uh, we pride ourselves on a clean environment. Um, you know, we're, we're very happy to have access to, you know, really nice air quality and, you know, beautiful streams and forest land and whatnot. You know, so certainly we want these things to be protected. Um, but sometimes that comes with a price tag that can't be borne by local property taxpayers. So, you know, we have advocated for a long time with the state that, you know, when they come out with various programs, you know, that are going to put uh, an onus onto local governments, um, there needs to be some kind of a financial assistance that comes behind with those programs, as opposed to just putting it all on the counties and towns and villages. So we have advocated for a while for some kind of a package to fund the programs that the state is um, is, is going to be coming out with. And this is, um, you know, a, a very, very large piece of that, uh, that funding. So um, NYSEC actually did pass a resolution in support of the, uh, the, the, the bond act. So um, another, another very important item that's coming up. Right. Provides much needed funds to keep our waters and air clean here in the Sullivan Catskills. But another thing that it does is also provides jobs. I was reading a report that potentially 84,000 clean energy jobs could be provided with this bond act, which is great because that's is also needed. It absolutely is. And I think that it's important that we look um, at, you know, at, at the economic benefits that could come with this. I know um, there's there's a lot of concern about the um, the cost of projects, the cost of these uh, in upgrades to our infrastructure. Um, but there are benefits that come on the back end, as you um, just you know alluded to, with just a number of jobs. I know that there's a big push at the state to um, start to uh, really develop 
uh, or further develop our forestry programs uh, and forestry industry um, just as a way of actually sequestering carbon. Um, and that's certainly something that we'd be, you know, interested to see what the state's going to do um, up here in Sullivan County. So, um, you know, all kinds of you know, building off of existing uh, industries as well as making room for new industries that are coming into New York State. So um, it's it's exciting. Uh, Heather, the last we spoke to you, you were the coordinator for the Southern County Office for Sustainable Energy. And at that time, Governor Holcher just signed a bill ending the sale of gas-powered cars in New York by 2035. How is that process going? So I do know that there's a few different uh, prongs that we need to um, look at that initiative from. There's a few different um, uh, initiatives in there. One of them is obviously developing the the market for um, zero emission vehicles, um, whether they be electric or uh, hydrogen fuel cell or some other um, you know emerging technology. Um, and I think that anyone that has been kind of paying attention to any kind of uh, television and sees some of the um, the commercials that are out there would see that the market is developing. We're seeing a lot more choice, uh, consumer choice in electric vehicles um, at this point in time than we were saying, say, two to three years ago. Um, so it looks like the market is developing relatively quickly. Another important development is that there was, I believe this year, um, one of only, I believe, three uh, lithium-ion battery recycling facilities that was opened actually in New York State um, up in Rochester is called Lifecycle. Um, and that's important because if we're going to develop these markets, this gets back to that, um, you know, product responsibility and making sure there's some place for the products to go when they come to the end of their life. So we need more facilities like that. But that is an exciting um, development recently, a place that can actually economically, uh, you know, recycle those materials when they come to to the end. So that's another area that there's been a lot of development in. And I also know that I have read in the news recently that uh, the University of Binghamton, along with several partners, were awarded significant funding from the state and federal government to um, develop uh, battery uh, research development and uh, manufacturing in the southern tier uh, near Binghamton University. Um, I think that's an important um, aspect of this as well, because there will be jobs that will come with uh, with these new emerging um, industries and technologies. And I think that it's a good thing for the state to be aggressive in pursuing getting involved in the uh, the, the economic benefit side of, of these uh, the clean energy technologies that are out there. So there's movement, certainly. Um, and, it, you know, it, it started to pick up very quickly. And I think that we're just going to see um, a much a much faster um, transition, I think, than they were really kind of even anticipating. I know that uh, sales of uh, battery electric or plug-in hybrid vehicles has surged significantly in the last two years in New York State. Heather, before we go, is there anything else that we have not touched on that you want our listeners to know about either your position as the chair or uh, your position as the Deputy Commissioner of Planning? Um, really, I just think that this is an exciting opportunity to advocate for local governments and just recognizing that we're going to be playing a very large role in uh, in the rollout of the CLCPA. And I'm extremely pleased that uh, we have the opportunity to have uh, such a strong voice at the table. I'm very pleased for Sullivan County to be kind of recognized as a leader uh, in environmental initiatives like this. Um, but I think that we've been successful because we've been careful to move forward with, with things that work for our communities. Um, and I think that's so important uh, moving forward 
that the identity of communities is not lost um, in this mix. You know, we don't want anything cookie cutter because what works for Westchester or works for Albany is not necessarily going to work for Sullivan County. So having a strong voice at the table to control our destiny to a certain extent and uh, maintain uh, whatever, you know, community character, you know, we 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 have and we want, um, I think that's extraordinarily important uh, moving forward. So we plan to to be that voice and, and to to advocate as such. We've been talking to Heather Brown, Deputy Commissioner of Planning for Sullivan County, who's also the chair of the New York State Association of Counties Climate Action Committee. Heather, thank you so much for talking to us. Let us know about what you're working on as the chair for the Climate Action Committee and the future of green energy. So thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you very much. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Rabayo. Thank you, Patricio. This is Radio Catskill. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got the latest news with our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Radio Catskill is keeping you connected this election season. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. In New York State, polls open at 6 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. Absentee ballots must be returned postmarked by this day. In Pennsylvania, polls open at 7 a.m. and close at 8 p.m. Mail-in and absentee ballots must be returned by 8 p.m. Listen to Radio Catskill for interviews with candidates and key races and go to RadioCatskill.org to hear candidate interviews you may have missed. This is Radio Catskill. Music for Humanity is a nonprofit whose mission is offering music education scholarships to young aspiring musicians. On Saturday, November 5th at 3 p.m., Jimmy Stir and his orchestra will perform a concert supporting Music for Humanity at the Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center in Sugarloaf, New York. Ticket information at musicforhumanity.org. Jimmy Stir, November 5th at Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center. Paid for by listener support. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information keeping you connecting the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. We are past due for our check-in with the Sullivan County Democrat. We have a managing editor, Joe Abraham, on the phone right now for the latest news. Welcome back to the program, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Hold on one moment. Sorry about that. Welcome back to the program, Joe. Are you still there? I am. I thought I lost you. I'm glad to hear your voice. Um, oh, thank you. Let's get let's get into this quick. We got a few stories we want to get to in the in the ending moments of the show here. Um, New York State's first methadone uh, dosing unit is opening up, and it's opening up in Sullivan County in Monticello. You were at a press conference announcing this, Joe. What can you tell us? Sure. So it's going to be located at uh, Suite Two, which is downstairs uh, of Twenty Six Hamilton Ave, which uh, the top floor is the DA's office. Uh, in Monticello, uh, and it's the first of its kind unit in uh, New York State. Uh, Lexington Center for Recovery has been providing community-based substance use treatment services for 40 years. Uh, this new unit will serve as a satellite clinic of their Poughkeepsie location, 
Uh, it began operations on October 10th, and it provides life-saving methadone treatment to those struggling with opioid addiction. Um, those who go there will also be seen by the physicians and nurses there. It will keep them up with sort of their health needs, and also there will be individual counseling services offered. Um, yeah, methadone, for those that don't know, is a, uh, a long-acting full opioid, uh, I don't know if I said the word, agonist, uh, and Schedule II controlled medication. It's usually paired with one component of a comprehensive treatment plan that uh, includes counseling and other behavioral therapies, health therapies uh, for those who are undergoing treatment. Uh, in addition to kind of having this treatment locally uh, to try to help fight the opioid crisis, which, you know, Sullivan County still has the highest opioid overdose death rate in the state, uh, it also has some financial benefits for the counties and uh, will hope to lessen the burden on some families because Lexington told me in an interview that they have a couple hundred patients before this unit opened that would travel to get treatment in their clinics in Dutchess, Westchester, and Rockland counties. Uh, and John Little shared, the County Health and Human Services Commissioner, that uh, this is expected to save the county $1.5 million a year in Medicaid transportation costs. Uh, and this is the first of two units that will be in Sullivan County. Another one is expected in the near future to open um, at the county social services complex on Community Lane and Liberty. And, uh, yeah, for people who want to learn more about it, they can go to LexingtonCTR.org. Uh, for more info on the unit, um, for, to learn more about this culmination of so many efforts. All right. And um, we've only got a few minutes left to the show. Can you tell me real quick about Camp Thimfo? I know they're talking about it more in Town of Highland last week. I know it's a large development, but are there any new developments in the story? Yeah. So Camp Thimfo, also known as Fun is More Fun Outside, uh, is a proposed $44.9 million project in the town of Highland at the site of Kittatinny Canoes on Route 97 in Berryville. Uh, Northgate Resorts, who owns it, already has two sister locations in Waco and New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, and, you know, economic development leaders have been lauding the project because it could create roughly 89 full-time jobs uh, and around $2.5 million in wages. Uh so pretty much that's one side of it, but a lot of locals have been against it because of some concerns about the environment. Obviously, Route 97, you're kind of on the river there. Um, the, the latest development is there was a proposed mountain coaster, uh, which is uh, was proposed to be a part of this. It's a, initially described as a low-lying gravity-powered rail system that uh, followed a natural course like down the mountainside. Uh, that has been scrapped from the project. So that's the newest uh, development in this sort of ongoing process. Uh, and instead, there are plans uh, to, for, I believe, a miniature golf course instead. Um, and, of course, there's uh, some other changes that were made as far as uh, mechanical building for the aquatic center that was proposed to be located from the original location. It's also been confirmed by the town planning board that blasting will not be used on site to remove any rock. However, the planning board has requested the project ensure the updated utilities being laid out must be at least four feet into the ground due to frost and other natural effects. So this project is going to continue to sort of go through the Highland Planning Board process and also be reviewed by the National Park Service and the Upper Delaware Council. So one component of it has changed. There will be no mountain coaster, uh, but uh, you know we'll see what else changes in the uh, coming weeks, but 
usually with projects of this scale, it's an ongoing process. So. Okay, and uh, and with just less than two minutes to go, uh, we're we're almost a we're just a, we're eight days away from election day. Is what I'm trying to get out. Elections right around the corner. You have any election news? Sure. Uh, early voting has started, so those uh, people are really anxious to get to the polls or don't want to go out on the busier election day. Uh, Sullivan County residents, that is. I'm not familiar with what's going on in Wayne County over in PA. In Sullivan County, you can go to the Government Center in Monticello. Uh, early voting is going on through November 6th. Uh, if you go to the county's website on the Board of Elections page, uh, they have a full list of hours as far as when they'll be open. So um, that's pretty much the big thing is that people can go to the polls right now and, and cast their ballot. Hey, well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And I will say, as far as early voting goes in PA, there is not a similar type of early voting uh, that people can, uh, who have requested a mail-in ballot, can return it in person. But there isn't, like, open polling places like we've got over here on this side of the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight. And I, I wish you uh, all the best on this All Hallows' Eve. Thank you. Hope you have great Halloween plans. Thank you. This is a local edition. News and information that keeps you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. And that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan working with charitable people, businesses, and organizations to support worthy causes through more than 360 charitable funds. CFOSNY.org Ba and Me, classic Vietnamese food made to order from fresh ingredients with locations in Honesdale and Livingston Manor. Menu and hours online at baandme.com and on Instagram and Facebook. And from listeners like you, that's why we're looking for your support, listener, because we rely on the support of listeners like you. Help us get to where we need to be in our fall favorites. Fun drive. When you get a moment, go to WJFFradio.org. Click Donate Now or go to your phone and call 845-482-4141. Overcast tonight with some rain showers at times. Overnight low down to 49. It's WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH.